0: Hey, this is The Moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. I, I'm, I'm totally thrilled about this. Uh, Chris Storer is here. That's how you pronounce your name, right? You got it. And you would know him as probably Christopher Storer because that's the credit on The Bear, where he is the show creator, the showrunner, directed, you know, the bulk of the series. And uh, really, dude, that show is it killed me, you know, Amy and I watched that show and I told you this, we watched it. We wouldn't allow ourselves to binge it in a day. We did it, the all the episodes over probably like a 10 day period, but we basically watched one a day of That's the cool. eight episodes and would then think about the prior episode and talk about it with each other. And then I was talking about it with Levine who was ahead of me on it and freaked the fuck out over wow. the show. And um, you and I had communicated over the over the years, and you you know um, you've always been really nice about our work, and uh, your special lady friend means a lot to me. She's the best, yeah. and yeah. has been a guest on the show, and um, so I, I'm just thrilled to get to talk to you and share this 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 time with you. So thanks for being
1: here. Thanks for having me, Brian. I you know it's so funny we talked. A lot about you guys i know i've mentioned it's so weird to be first of all it's so weird to be on this i listen to this all the time and i think we talked about rounders suspicious like very specifically so much in the writing and creating in this show um surreal man i'm so i'm like even the fact you guys watched it means so much it's crazy i just i like couldn't believe it well i was so proud you know i'd because
0: um gillian had mentioned over the years you know sort of the the, the way you'd w- watch your stuff or listen to the show. And so I knew, and I was so proud and happy for you when I heard the thing. And then, you know, you have that moment where I was like, God, I hope I love it. I hope it's as good as,
1: <laughs> the but
0: then I just flat <laughs> yeah. out fucking loved the show. I mean, you know, to me, your show and Paolo Sorrentino's shows are the two, the two things of the last long while that just made me, Really sit up and, and reminded me both shows in different ways, like kind of reminded me why we do these things because it 's for those moments when something just grabs you and somebody's makes the the piece that that feels like it is announcing them as an, an artist with a point of view that needs to be shared and and that 's what you did here right you you after years of, of working in the business which we 're going to get into yeah. I mean, this piece feels to me like it, it's it's your point of view about the world told through the metaphor of um, this kitchen and these people.
1: Wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, that really means a lot, Brian. I, it, and it really, it's so funny too, because it is really personal to me, obviously. But the thing that's always so surprising is what, other people take away from it and what other people sort of recognize in it and of course well no truly and i know that sounds so silly but it's in this case it's it's real because i think you know anytime you know anytime someone's making a show about a restaurant and i know people have tried and i know that it's very difficult and i know that the um track record's not like great just just because i do think it's hard to get these things right and i can't tell you how many of our like mutual friends of ours brian were like you're gonna get fucking cooked if you make a chef show dude like don't do it
0: dude i mean the fact that you just said cooked is so embarrassing that pun on the moment is so yep. embarrassing oh, that's forever you made that pun no, on no, but I mean, this like, show truly, truly, forever like
1: i like it's but it's it's so ridiculous but it's absolutely true that like you're gonna get absolutely yeah like, destroyed destroyed and i think I think we really wanted to go out of our way to just really talk with a lot of our friends and make sure that we got to sort of the crux of what this thing was. But the more that we did that, the more I was like, Oh, well we're really just telling like a family story, which really propelled me to get more into like, Oh, I'm really talking about my family and my friends. And you know, the, you know, I had, I've lost friends at a very young age and before the pandemic and this was a way to just kind of funnel that all into one thing. And we kept thinking if it was Maybe fun and maybe loud. We can figure out a way to make all those things kind of gel. Well, it's suffused with that um, awareness of
0: death—not not not just Michael's death, but it's just suffused with the you know with mortality as the greatest as the greatest art is. And you're right about the challenge of making a show that deals with these issues. I mean, Levine and I have up on our wall uh, a still. <laughs> Uh, that is that shot from the Bradley Cooper movie that just says, apologize to the turbot. And and we saw how much they wanted it to be great. And they just couldn't, it's, you know, such a hard target. Um, because if you read about holding
1: it, he's Marco, holding yeah. it. Her, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so we always joke that it's like, you know, when one of us does a bad, we're like, right. Something us, pitches a bad idea. You could just point to the sign, apologize to the turbot, but like the movie, you know, as, and it's, I, 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 every person who worked in that movie is an amazing artist and yet it just didn't quite get there for me personally, whereas your show did. But okay, dude, yeah. what does this moment feel like for you right now? You well, are the yeah. toast. Listen, let's just say for a second, you're the toast of the town. Like this did happen. Like you went from a working producer who'd been around great shit, got nominated for awards, like really important work, but you have blasted out off now the rocket ship has taken off and i i have to know like how are you processing it what are you letting sink in and how are you reacting to it well first and foremost not
1: well <laughs> just because yeah, well, you know i mean look man it, brian i know you've been there too where it's like you make these things and especially now you 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 don't really know who's watching it or how they're watching it like it really meant a lot to me that that you that you and amy were watching it sort of like as a regular TV show. And I know a lot of people are are burning through it and, you know, over the course of stuff we've worked on, you know, like we always get excited about projects and we're like, Oh, this is going to be one that a lot of people are going to see. And then you get that report Monday morning that you're like, well, no one in Ohio saw it and no one in New Mexico saw it. And so it's probably going to lose a lot of theaters very quickly. And you're like, fuck, I think the greatest thing that happened with this is the day the show came out, I got COVID, <laughs> so I got knocked the fuck out for. And like, by the way, it sounds ho- truly horrible, but I was like, man, COVID is brutal. Like, it, in a way that I hadn't, I'd avoided it for two and a half months, and right, obviously, no, two and a half years, You'd two and a half years. Excuse me, two and a half years. And I think it was this thing of like. God, it's, it's destroyed this country. It's destroyed so many things. And even when you were talking about mortality, you know, one of the things that we kept thinking about in relation to the show is I had so many friends lose their businesses, like through this, that, right. that we were like, right. fuck, there is this other, atmosphere was fear of death of losing your business. But to answer your question, when the show came out, it was so like, like, I don't have Twitter thankfully. So I don't, I didn't get to read any right. of that stuff. And the thing that started to feel really nice was that, cooks and dishwash, like people i noted and reaching out that were like this part felt really right to me or this part felt really right to me and and i knew that we had connected a little bit on that way and by the way i'm not saying we got it all right and i know we took liberties with stuff and you know but yeah, who cares don't yeah, worry about but, that but no no but i'm also you know the thing that's true the, the thing that's real is like i immediately go to the place of we I think we delivered a responsible package for the most part. And I think we'll be able to do it again. And that's like a true sign of success for me. And I have to do everything in my power to not look or read or listen to anything else. And, you know, thankfully I've been, uh, helping a friend of ours with, with his movie, that's getting off the ground. It's like a low budget thing. And it was weirdly crash landing back to earth that minute where you're like, we had a huge success. And then you're like, fuck, now we have to go right back into the indie world of like, this is so Well, well,
0: sure. You said a lot of things. There. I mean, you, you know, that the sort of the notion that oh, we delivered, you know, this package and responsibly, and I know we can do it again. But I also, when I saw the second season, was greenlit. I was thrilled as a fan, and then also had the thought of understanding the existential crisis you're going to find yourself in a bunch of times.
1: Oh yeah, I can't. And running it already, of course.
0: Yeah. And even though you know what you kind of want to do and where it is, like having to carry it off with now, as opposed to in total anonymity, feels must feel daunting.
1: It, it, yeah, I mean it is. And the other thing, the other thing that was really beautiful about the show, to be honest, Brian, is we, you know, we started shooting at the end of February and we delivered it. um, We delivered it to who FX and Hulu. Uh, June 10th and it was on t- so there wasn't even a lot of time to even process what we would what we had done or feel great about it we were like we think this is pretty cool um, and I think that sort of like urgent rush to delivery was so cool that we never even got like a breather <laughs> you know and is I the think second season going to be on FX first or is it going to I think it's going to be the same exact the same thing same yeah well I mean that was also interesting too because watching I should also say like they were the best partners ever, man. I mean, in a way that I didn't really you, looking back, you know, I try to like, I th- I'm sure you do the same when you have something that like semi works or whatever, you look back at the process and you're like, God damn, dude, John Landgraf and Schreier and grad and Lambert really, they know how to do it. And yeah, no, clearly. All right. Well, let's, let's back those guys.
0: They're amazing. And oh. I have uh I know Nick I'm totally know, avoiding
1: your question because I'm not doing it well. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I know. Everyone's talking about the I'm show. Getting I'm getting you like, back. No, we're getting back to it. Believe me. You know, look,
0: you've listened to like every know, episode like, of the kind of, podcast. Yeah, no, no, you're not gonna I'm the not just letting it dangle. <laughs> so, like, well, first of all, also, I do understand it's still new. So, yeah, like, yeah. asking you how you're, but I would say this there are a couple of different ways one can absorb their dreams coming true. And we know that like the end of Willy Wonka, when he says he lived happily ever after, when the boy's dreams all come true, we know that's not actually real. We know that's a fairy tale. We know that's not true. It's like one of the few Roald Dahl moments. I don't even know if that's in the book. It's one of the few moments in his stuff that's kind of says something like that. And um, you know, the other side of it is we all feel like Barton Fink reading the reviews over and over again, acting. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> right. just, he I just raised just, his hand like over the bible that's oh what Chris just did
1: yes of course keep going <laughs> you,
0: I mean, yeah, you don't want to seem like Barton Fink to yourself and telling no. people and like acting like you didn't read the reviews when you did and all that crap right
1: oh 100% I mean I, I think you know what I, I I truly like from I think you know Bo who's like Bo Burnham is one of my best friends has been really of great too, about just being like just skim through it you know what I mean like read the bat, like or don't avoid it as much as possible. Like don't look at Twitter. Just don't even, you know, try oh, and enjoy I, the win for a second. And that was reassuring. And then you're like, I must read that.
0: <laughs> can't, well, of course you got to read the bad and the good and then put yeah. them in a certain place or I do anyway, but have you found that this is any kind of a salve or is it a challenge to kind of the broken place that makes you an artist? Like, you know what I mean? Does it, is it any kind of a salve to that? Or do you merely process it as like,
1: oh fuck it didn't make me feel better it is absolutely both it is absolutely both and it in talk about that yeah i think the thing because on one hand you're you 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 can't help but be really grateful that like i've had dude i've had so many shows in movies just fall apart and explode last minute of in course. like spectacular fashions that you're yeah. like you know what man we had a great time making this like truly like the cast are some of my best friends. The crew we've worked with for 15 years—like that's the stuff that I'm like, just keep focusing on that. That was awesome. Then it comes out and people connect, and you're like, "Fuck, this is rare." Like even the people who are like, "Fuck this show," are still like, "Oh, Io's pretty great." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, which is awesome. she's awkward. incredible. <laughs> oh, she. Well, by the way, she's. I mean, I could. She's one of those people. Have, I've rarely seen
0: an actor that smart. Like, a, who an actor? Okay. She is a, an incredible. What a gift to be able to portray. That level of intelligence and feeling, and yeah, what and a great I, job you did
1: directing. But go ahead. So people engaging with it. Talk about. Yeah, that. and I think the yeah. thing that's interesting is, you know, first and foremost, like man, when chefs were like even fifty percent, like this is pretty right on. You know, not saying that we got it a hundred percent right, but even the fact that like Brian, people that you and I both know, were like this is pretty close. That meant everything because, like, even you know Jeremy and I, Jeremy Ellen White and I had a conversation like we would meet, when he agreed to do the show, we would just, we would take these really like great walks together and just talk about what we wanted to achieve with the show. And the f- the first thing was like, if we could be a little accurate to this world and like fully respect yeah. to this world and just so people could see that like it, our heart was in the right place and we weren't trying to make something about someone who was awesome. You know, we were trying to make something about someone who was like failing and trying to be better and failing at that. Like that was our dream. And And when we sort of felt like we did that right, that was such a huge win. And then when you see that like cooks and stuff connect to it is great. And then filmmakers connect and you're like, man, this is wild. Like you get some emails that you're like, fuck, that's not going to, I don't even want to read that one. Like, (laughs) like you see, you know, you get a feeling when you see a name pop up in your email and you're like, I'm going to save that till I'm ready to process. Yes. And, and, and then, and then,
0: uh, um,
1: and are you able to take those
0: things in? I'm getting second and understand. Oh, wow. Okay. I got to own the fact that this thing meant something
1: to that person. And maybe I don't suck. Yeah. I mean, I struggle with that a lot in my life in, you know, I I think we've talked about a little bit, but like, you know, I, I grew up in a household that had mental illness and addiction. And I, I think I have this thing that I've always been working on, which is like, if something good happens, something else good can happen too. It doesn't mean that if a good thing happens, it has to be fucked. I'm um,
0: cursed it. with that. Even though it doesn't sound like it, I'll say even to someone who's listened a lot, I am totally cursed with the, when something good happens, I looking around mean. for the grenade. I, I really hate, am. I know, and I, I work on it in therapy. I've worked on it in therapy forever. It's Same, really. Man. But artists, people who do something creative for their lives often, you know, it's uh, those things go together. okay but let's talk about this because people yeah. um until now probably just know you as gillian's walker so uh let's um,
1: so let's just i mean i know how much you've accomplished i'm just fucking around 100 dude yeah um well it's but, an honor uh, when you're like gillian jacob's boyfriend made this show and i'm like i'll take it man that's it. right that's hilarious
0: not anymore <laughs> yeah. but uh so um no, but where where and how did, did you
1: grow up? And like who were you as as a kid? So where where? We were in Chicago and we, you know, our parents were Courtney and I. We have a little brother Corey that we love to. And we were our parents were divorced. And by process of divorce, you sort of move around and you see different neighborhoods and different parts of the city. But this thing started happening where I was the oldest I'm the oldest of the three. And how old are you? I, what's that? How I just turned 40. Sorry. I just turned right. 40. Great. Okay. Um, so you're the oldest of the three. Oldest of the three. And we, we, we were often a situation where I'd be like, I think something's up with my mom and it's getting kind of dark yeah. in the household and that behavior is not necessarily normal. And, you know, my father was a dentist and as their divorce sort of started to take, but you know, I mean, Brian, the thing that's crazy when you look back at it, when I look back at it now, I'm sort of like, why do we never, you know, like, he was a dentist and did okay, but like, we never had money. Like we never had money. And I was so like, what was going on? What were you realizing? Yeah. It was that God only knows where money was going or how it was being spent. And then I think there were chemical dependency issues in, in God only knows where that money was going. And so your mom wasn't, your mom was an addict. I, I think so. I think so. She never, never coped to it. And I, and the reason I say, I think so, Brian is we don't have a relationship and I haven't spoken to her and I wish her the best, but we haven't, we, 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 we were, we have been estranged for quite a minute, which has been hard. And I have something I've talked a lot about in therapy and come to some form of a piece with, um, but that really took its toll on specifically my sister and I, because there was a certain point when I lived with my dad and she stayed with my mom and we still were, we still love each other, but obviously at a young age, when you're not in the same house, it's tough. And growing up separately was, was tricky. And it was around the same time that uh, my dad, I got home from school one day and my dad was sitting on the couch and I was like, you're home early from work. And he was like, I have a drug problem and I'm going to rehab tomorrow. And I was like, wow. And he was a dentist. So it meant that he had to go to a pretty, a pretty extended form of rehab and then a halfway house after. And, I didn't want to go live with my mom. So two of our like family friends slash people that I refer to as cousins moved in with me and sort of were my, 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 my parents through my junior and senior year of high school. So you're 16, 17 years I was, old. I was, I was 14 the day that he, uh, 15. Yeah. I was 15 the day that he told me that. And I remember being like, not surprised. Like I, you know, like I, I sort of, I've always been an anxious person and a slightly neurotic person. And I was like, man, you're acting kind of weird. You know, when you're like, you're acting weird, you don't look great. So when he told me that, I was like, that makes perfect sense. And at the same time, I was like in my 15 year old sort of way being like, I will try any drug that anyone puts in front of me because why not? And let's let it rip and fucking burn this thing down. Like I definitely already, you were already in all, that head. I mean, I, I, I think I had that until I met Gillian. If I'm being totally honest, had you put
0: all that? I understand that. Had you put all of this stuff in other work? Because obviously, in the yeah, best yeah. way, all of this is in the show. Yes. And yes. was all of this in your other work as well? Hundred percent. Had you been trying to tell? Had you been trying to find a world to put that that would carry this story in a way? Because here, by not making it the, I mean, it is the central thematic, but by not making it have to cover all the narrative terrain, you yep. found a way to do it. Yes. Um, but I imagine earlier, perhaps it was foregrounded in a
1: way that made it harder to tell the story. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, 100% Brian, but also like, I still felt like I was too young to even fully understand what was happening. So like to write about like with the stuff that I used, like, dude, I want, uh, like I'll be, I want to write rounders when I was 13. I was like, that's all the only movie I want to make. I want to make the Pope of Greenwich village. Like, and I, but I didn't understand the themes behind them yet. And didn't really, I just thought the worlds were great and the performances were great. And, You know, after in high school, my grades were obviously horrendous in high school because I was high every as much as I possibly could be, uh, (laughs) to be honest. But I think like when I after high school, I took a year off to work at the Board of Trade to try and put some money together to grow to um, to move out to, to L.A. And in that time, I was hanging around. Mr. lot, which is where we ended up shooting the bear, which is a pile. My buddy, Chris, who I've known since I was four, his family has owned this place. And it was this crazy thing where we would walk in and, you know, it's in River North Chicago, which is like this beautiful neighborhood, but it's sort of like lost in time. Like they have a giant parking lot and there's a sign in there that says it's 1988 in here. It doesn't matter what year it is out there. And that's definitely the spirit in weird shit would happen in there all the time. You know, I mean, it was just like- Yeah, of course. Fun.
0: No, of course. I mean, you know, you've you you you've mentioned Rounders a bunch and obviously the relationship with, with Richie and it has a lot of elements yeah. of that. And that we, you and I talked about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what's also wonderful about you, like Mr. Beef and you noticing it and being around that place is like, you know, the movie Dave and I were really- inspired by the most was diner in the beginning i mean diner is what made us want to do this like diner i mean a lot of different pieces obviously but diner in very specifically was the relationships in diner and the way in which these young men had to process the world and become people instead of you know um and in the way that it was something you could watch over and over again and quote was all that we wanted to do. And then Pope of Greenwich Village was like the most immediate analog, even more than Mean Streets for us. And because of what the stakes were in a way, and because of the specifics of the relationship and the lack of religiosity, Mean Streets essentially a movie about Catholicism on some level. Yeah. And guilt and so, all that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, guilt, I'm saying all that stuff where, where, you know, which wasn't where the thing for us, exactly uh, much as we all love Scorsese the best. So you're around this and in a way you're, you know, I see the, I, you can see the echoes of all of that. Like I understand, cause you've said it uh, many times about the the influence of, of Rounders and other pieces, but but I see Diner in there too
1: coming oh, through, totally. refracted through this other stuff, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting too. Cause like, you know, in that same year when we were hanging out with with Chris and Mr. Beef, we this, this funny thing would happen where um, the clientele in that restaurant at that time was so wild. You know, Jeremy and Evan and I would laugh about this all the time. Like, you would walk in and you would see, you know, not only just like the, like everyone from the neighborhood that would come there and, peop, you know, all the workers on their lunch break, but you would see Roger Ebert. You would see, like, Mike Singletary. You would see these, right. like, like you'd see these, like, Chicago. You'd be like, holy shit. I remember, like, the first, I think I was, like, I think I was like five years old in the first celebrity that I ever had. I remember it this so vividly in my life. I had seen Ron Howard in Mr. Beef because they were shooting backdraft in Chicago. And awesome. I remember thinking like, that's, that's Robert. De Niro. You know, like my, I remember Chris's dad being like Robert De Niro's and, and you're like, this is we're in Chicago. That's crazy. They don't make those things around us. And then you realize how many films were being made. Wait, who's Chris,
0: who you're Chris saying Zuccaro.
1: Chris's dad, yeah. Chris, uh, Joe Zuccaro is Chris's dad who owns the restaurant. Yeah. Got it. He was your buddy. He was a buddy, buddy. but then, you know, as time went on, like I met the great Harold Ramis in there, who was somebody who is. Again, stripes
0: for me and Dave. So yeah, um, Yeah. nobody, nobody better. I met him one time and I was like, Mr. Ramis, I would love to work with you. And he was like, yeah, you're great, but are you funny? I mean, and it was great. It was the perfect thing. He's like, how are we going to. I'm not sure, you know, and I loved it. I I was like, "Yes, sir. I understand, sir." Um, So, so were you writing though? So when I say like, as a kid, did you? So you had friends. You were kind of half an air duel. People, I imagine, were saying, "Chris, you're smart. Why are you doing so shittily
1: at school?" Correct. Did you have a crew um, of people? Yeah. Well, it was very funny because I had like my, I had, I had my. I had like two very distinct group of friends that didn't really cross over, but I had like my, my dear friends that I still love to this day that were like the the prepper your side and the other side that were like Chris and the worms and all the people that I loved equally, you know? And I think um, we always were, you know, I didn't understand how to like write something yet. You know, that feeling Brian, where you're like, I'm going to write a screenplay and like you write it and you're like, I don't know how the fuck to do this. Of course. And I felt that way for a very long time. Even when I moved out to LA, like I didn't really know how to do it other than to just keep reading things and watching things. Or, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: No. And well, no, that's everything I want to know, which is going to be as you're watching mo- So, so during this time of, of, of everything at home being fractured, yeah. the sa- you yeah. know and, and it's so primal, right when the foundational yeah. thing is fractured, I mean yeah. you look for something to give you the feeling of safety and security and so yeah you, ever you go to weed because weed really helps, yeah. and um, but it's a problem, and then yep. movies and TV shows right so for, for sure I mean I relate to so much of, of 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 this, and I haven't really talked about this, but my mom late and late older my mom became an addict and and it was a real problem for us right. when we realized right. it yeah um she got it together a year before she died and she died of cancer but but she had a bunch of really bad years back surgery that led to addiction and I, so it was I, I was later i was formed i was 18 or 19 so i was a fully formed person in many ways but it is it takes years to untangle so yeah. Talk through what did you what were you reading and what were you watching really? Because I see so much of it show up in in the show. Like I, you know, I texted you that I loved
1: the Little Odessa reference. It oh. made me so happy. You're the only person that got. I, I, it's so funny, man. I thought I played it on pretty thick with my James. So K- thick. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you laid it on so thick. Well, here. But here's the other thing. Like, talk. This will answer your question so quick. Like when I. So yes, it was movies, but it was also. um You know when my the when my like quote cousins were taking care of me that senior year we started going through everything and like one of the first movies that like really kind of surprised i i I related to in such a way that i was surprised by was terms of endearment which was sure just because it was the first thing that i had seen that i was like man there's like eight people in this yelling and then laughing and like it it felt so alive and in cool in this in this way And, um, you know, my, my, my cousins were like very, they were like, you know, indie cool cinephiles. And they're like, you got to watch, they're like, all right, you got to watch Jim Brooks. And then we're going to watch little Odessa and Quentin and like all that shit that was coming out. So it was funny that I thought like little Odessa was the biggest movie of all time, only to find out years later that I was like, it kind of like went under the radar of a lot of the, the Quentin stuff, uh, the Miramax stuff that was happening at that time. Because it's not flashy movie. No, but holy shit! You know, Gillian and I just watched it again pretty recently, Brian. It's it it's it's fucking great.
0: So James Gray is a he's he and I've been very friendly for a long time. Um, we're not like close friends, but we're really friendly for a long time. And I think the world of James. Uh, yep. He's a genius, and uh, Little Odessa, his first movie, is just it's an an amazing thing if people haven't seen it. And the cinematographer. Tom Remember. Richmond just died this last week, and and uh, he was a very special dude. He you
1: guys with him
0: a few times, right? A couple times, yeah. He was yeah. great. Three, a bunch of stuff over the years, and and loved him. But yes, but that reference. So, but but your show is just packed with those kinds of things, and obviously, you know my stuff, so you know how much I got off on
1: it. Yeah, yeah, um yeah, yeah.
0: So you're watching those movies and are you watching stuff more than
1: once? Or are you going through stuff over and over again? Over and over. Back then. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting too, because you know, when you want to be like a young, cool cinephile and you're watching these movies and you're like, oh, they're cool. I don't understand it. (laughs) So like, at least for me, I was like, I'm going to watch high and low a bunch of times until I'm obsessed with it. And then it happened. And then I was like, I get it. I feel smart. It's awesome. And then, are you flipping it? Are you watching
0: Melville's films too? Like, are are when do you get turned on? When do you get turned on to that stuff?
1: Uh, Honestly, through James Gray, like because it was like it was sort of explained to me that I still don't quite understand that he's like a American filmmaker that really is treated like a foreign filmmaker. He, like it's it, like, he, well, I think he's, he's a
0: Visconti to... is his obsession. So like Ooh. Rocco and his brothers is what James well, is obsession. There's a right? lot
1: of Rocco and as we use the score from Rocco and his brothers a bunch in the bear and it, it, which is heavy, but it's like, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I loved all these things so much that it was sort of like, all right, if I'm going to put all my favorite bands and all my favorite movies in sort of one thing, like this is, I'm only going to probably get to do this once and this will be that.
0: And what were you listening to? Because you're clearly as obsessed as I am with
1: music. I love the soundtrack. You know, you did what we do, which is you picked the songs. So tell me about that. So a lot of it goes back to those that my cousin's taking care of me, my senior year of high school, because, you know, I sort of, um, I worship, you know, like all through high school, I worshiped Rage Against the Machine and Wu-Tang was my, that was everything to me. But then they were like, cool. Now you're going to listen to R.E.M., and because that was their favorite band. And in the, in the course of about a week, I became a, a, a worshiper of Michael Stipe and they, they oh shot, God. they shot to the top of anything. I mean, like I met Michael Stipe once and I, I'm not like a starship person. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> it was it's awful. impossible
0: to talk impossible.
1: to him, man. I mean, it's impossible. I, like, and I, he I... was so, he was so lovely and like looked, like he was like so hot and fucking rare. I was like, dude, like, <laughs> had like a suit on. I'm like, get out of here. But, uh, he, um, I, I had started going to see them cause this was, uh, right when I got really into them and started deep diving their back catalog up had just come out, which I know some people had thought was like a failure, but I was like, this is rad and weird and, and cool. So backtracking through all the, uh, all the REM catalog, we went and saw them at the, uh, at Tinley Park in Illinois, and a new band Wilco was opening for them. And amazing! Then I was like, oh, now I love them too. And in through Chicago, I've gotten to know the legendary Susie Tweedy, who's just the fucking greatest in her family. I mean, that's
0: just yeah, what a great. I mean, what an amazing. thing. So that music, and then getting to use that music in 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 this must have felt great for you. It was to great, sort of... and I,
1: you know, it's funny too because I know a lot of. I, I read a few things that were like, oh, they're pandering to Chicago, and you know, I was like, dude, if we shot it in L.A., it would still be Wilco. Like that's a big part of. Who I was and I how did I not,
0: up. there's no pandering going on. That's that's no, but, but it's
1: interesting too because I could feel like, oh, they put Chicago artists in there, but you're like, no, those are just that's what I really like listening to. And yeah,
0: I kind of can't move forward without at some point talking about how you decided to deal. And then with because you brought up your own estrangement from your mom. So yeah, yeah. your show your show is so aware of and and look, I have made work about the difficult the times you have to separate from a family member. Solitary man is all about that making yes. that decision. And yeah. I've made so I, I understand it. But your show is so much about the passage of time and yes. the the, the price we pay for those kinds of estrangements uh, yeah. at some point. And so uh, I wonder if you found yourself working through for yourself your own feelings or your own awareness that there is
1: probably a price you might pay. Oh, a hundred, a hundred percent, man. And I think, even though it, you're in the
0: right and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. And I think it was a thing too, where it's funny that you said the thing about time because that's a giant that's such an important theme to the show, Brian. And something that like we thought about because, you know, a lot of our friends who are cooks or who run small business, like when you're in there, you're, you're obsessed with time, but you also have no concept of time in the outside world. So you have yeah. this like Richie character that doesn't even realize his neighborhoods changed 20 years ago. And he's like, Oh, cause I've just been inside fighting with my friends and coming to that sort of realization. And I think for me, you know, when my parents got divorced, one one thing that was actually uh, helpful about the uh, the court system at that time was that they made me go to a therapist because I was right. uh, four, uh, f- uh 13 when they started. And I was terrified and I didn't want to do it. And they were like, you know, what's going on at home? And I, I was like, well, this and this and this. And I remember the guy was like, "Well, that's fucked up." Right. That's huge. And and, and brian it like i started like sobbing because no one had just said something so simple like it wasn't trying like it wasn't it didn't feel like an adult trying to give an answer it wasn't or like someone trying to figure out what the thing was it was someone just being like yeah that sucks and i and it like i was like that's i think what i needed yeah, to- it released you from the guilt and let you sort of move forward yeah
0: and um yeah. and had you dealt with it but so so Were you consciously, obviously the sister relationship was conscious uh, and and your estrangement from your brother and all that stuff allowed you, you know, being able to put the mom thing into that. But was it all super conscious? Were you fully aware that you were telling
1: versions of your own story in this? Yeah. Oh, 100%. But I also think um, to me, it felt pretty healthy because I don't think I would have able to, I don't think I would have been able to write about it had I not felt like i got to a good place with it and what i mean what i mean by that is like you know we like my family that we've all tried to be together and it just doesn't work and it's Uh, hard and it's painful but i remember getting into a day of like you know i'm not i'm just not gonna that that person makes me feel bad about myself and stopping that in your life getting instantly better is interesting and
0: yeah no for sure has 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 she tried to send you a message of congratulations through the family through this? No, ah, ah, sorry. But,
1: uh, but again, but again, like it's, I don't, there isn't like anger and there isn't resentment. There's like, I wish every, like, I'm sure we love each other deep down. It, like it's all good. I think the thing that is great though, truly that came out of this is like my sister who's like my best friend. We, we have yes. to make us, we have to like go to work together, which was cra- which which Brian was like the weirdest thing. Like when we were making the show, you know, Jeremy and IO really specifically was like, if we're do if we're doing anything that looks fucked like Coco, Maddie, please yell cut, you know? And it was like insane to be on. And we, we totally gave them that power. And it was like, so funny to, to hear my sister and her, Horrendous Chicago accident. Just be like, "Cut!"
0: That's <laughs> you know? hilarious. Yeah. That's so perfect. I mean, that's it great. was
1: perfect. But I was like, I was like, never in a million years that I think that my like truly my my best buddy, little sis, would be my my boss in some ways. It was great. That's fantastic. How did okay? I want to just for the people
0: listening here. Sure. Let's just do. I want to do a part of this about the career stuff. So
1: yeah, what were your ambitions when you went out to California? What did you imagine you were going to do and what to be was totally honest, man? I didn't know a soul. And I was like, I didn't have a car, which was the stupidest decision to ever. And I was like, maybe I could just like work on something, you know, and yes. get on a show. And I was an assistant in a couple rooms, but, um, I ended up really, it's kind of strange. I worked in the office of Fred Siegel, which is his clothing shop in Santa Monica yeah. for a giant vintage collector. And I ended up working in a, uh, uh, for a vintage, like Levi's and in Ralph Lauren distributor for a while. And it was such a cool job because I learned about fashion and you, it sort of turned into a paying job. And as you know, when you're starting off there, like, that's the other thing. Like someone asked me for advice the other day on how to become like, a, I'm like, I, it sucks. Don't, I have no idea, man. I have no idea. I'm, I'm privileged and lucky and I'm fully aware, but like, I couldn't map it out for, I, I wouldn't even dream it's to impossible. tell somebody it's, to do this. It's impossible. It's yeah. fucking
0: impossible, man. I saw some dude on uh, TikTok trying to say like, you can't do, you know, don't go in a basement and write a script, it won't work. That, that's not how this works. And I was just like, I don't know. I think I don't you can. End.
1: Maybe you can't. Nobody, we yeah. don't know how
0: it works. Like, we don't know. But so you go out there and you just wanted to work in some way. You, you didn't work. have an idea at that
1: time to be a writer, director specifically. I, I mean, I did, but it also seemed like, Brian, to like, it, honestly, but Courtney has a similar story too about just becoming a cook, where it's like, it didn't really seem like tangible. You know, like a cook, like you can become a cook, but you're like, and then you open a restaurant and that sucks and it's horrible. And like, then that falls, or like, you're like, but maybe I spent all this time on this and. Yes. I, you can't make money. Cause like, you know, I had, I had a couple like filmmaker friends from Chicago had like made a commercial and or whatever. And I was like, wow, you guys hit it huge, <laughs> you know? And, right. and no, got, of course like, they did, by the way. I uh, mean, they 100%. did hundred percent. And I was like, maybe that's something I could do. And as I was working in this like sort of clothing business, which was awesome, I started to make money. And I was like, man, I sort of accidentally found a, found a job. And I found myself, I went back to visit, visit Courtney in Chicago. And I saw Harold Ramis actually. And we had a coffee and I was like, what do you think I should do? And he's like, well, if you have some money that would tide you over for like six months and you really want to do this thing, why don't you try to become like a PA and learn about it like that? Cause he kind of had a similar answer, which was like, I wouldn't, I have no idea. Yes. It's crazy. Um, so I quit my job and started to PA as much as I could, which led to like directing some commercials. But in that time, I had worked for a couple of directors who were uh, crazy to put it lightly and, and were heroes of mine. But also I was like, Oh, that's probably how you shouldn't do that. <laughs> which was, which by the way, I found to be the the best film school of all time. Cause you're like, this is chaotic shit and seems really scary. Um, and, a, and through my friends, I had met uh, one of my dear friends, Lorene Scafaria, who was like the first, like working screenwriter that I had met. I was like, oh man, like you're writing amazing shit and directing like incredible things. And, it, what, and then and she
0: totally fun. blew up, bro. How fun that she, your great friend then totally blew up right before two years before your th-
1: dude, like, but like, exploded. So great. And I think it's yes. because, you know, she was the first person that I ever showed, like something that I had written to. And she's like, this is actually pretty sick. Like we should make this. And That's we, awesome. and we tried to make this movie and we got a cast and we had like, very famous people attached to it. And for whatever reason it couldn't come together and the same thing happened in a different movie, but she truly like, it's that thing of like you always find a mentor when you weren't looking for it, you know? And Yeah, of course. In a
0: great way. But how did you, but like, I look at your, your, and I know you and I met when you were working with Soder. Yeah. How did that, because it is a it's not like you got sidetracked or derailed because you're working at a very high level getting to make these huge stand-up yeah. comedy specials for hbo is a big deal and all that yeah. stuff but and i i gotta get to talking about bo because i have very specific yeah, questions yeah. about yeah. the way you guys work but yeah. how did you go from this that place to becoming like a real working director to, yeah. and, and producer, yeah. just not on your
1: own stuff, exactly. So what happened? So, f- so first and foremost, like so many. I mean, it's so funny, man. Cause I think people were like, oh, oh man, he hit it out of the park with the bear and it's his first thing. And you're like, not even close, dude. Like you've yeah, no, been working for 20 years, trying for 20 I, years. one hundred percent. And like, I know you've been there too, man, where you're like, Oh, here's a, like a, like, you know, here's like a fun pilot. And like, I, maybe we could get some money for this. And, and that happened. Like I, I found, you know, through this script that Lorene had sort of showed a friend of like in classic fashion goes from a friend to a friend to a friend. And then an agent reads it. And then your agent, the agent's like, Oh, this kind of sucks actually. And go back to the drawing board. And then, you know, um, and finally, I think what happened was after this movie had, after movies had fallen apart so many times, you know, Bo and I had met each other generally and become friends. And right after he started taking off uh, in taking off in like a stand up way through YouTube and we were talking about shooting his special and him and I really bonded it. All the stuff we missed from like the 70s and 80s of these comedy specials, because you remember, man, they used to look so amazing and i know I, mean, it's not yeah, like, I know all those specials by
0: heart yes 100 sure. percent.
1: we talked about our love of those things and in in particular the bob fossey dustin hoffman movie lenny that sort of got swept under the radar but it's like this stunning thing i don't know is it talked about brian or was it, i feel like i don't hear it much it, it is but you know it's
0: uh um we're gonna put that on the list to talk about you and i said so, because lenny is uh it's just a flawed movie in certain oh, ways, uh, I think. Uh, but but yes, way, it's in, un- incredible, yeah, yeah, incredible but, performance and an amazing thing. But even but like, like, the the prior, but yeah. like the prior, but like the prior, like all those specials of those, guys, like those people in the seventies, um, and eighties. I can tell you what everyone's suit was, like, because it yeah, really mattered. 100%. Like the visuals really mattered. So totally, yes.
1: And I think we, were, so Bo and I were sort of been a time we were making these specials together, and people started watching the specials and you know, Bo had written this movie that Paramount bought that almost he directed and then I almost directed, but they didn't want either of us to direct it. So it kind of just sat there and sort of as an act of like, well, fuck this Bo was like, I'm just going to go write something else. And I'm like, cool, you go write something else. I'm going to, because I, by the way, I really started to really enjoy working with comedians. Like I, I, it's like the the process isn't dissimilar from a chef, to be honest. Like there is a lot of pain and, you know, communicating deep things in in funny ways. And so I really enjoyed helping them with their vision. And I also think I was so kind of like torched from not not being able to work as a director that I was like, well, maybe you know. And uh, so Bo came back with the script that became eighth grade. And it's funny we were talking about it the other day. the The first draft of that thing is pretty much what you see.
0: Well, I, this is what I want to ask you. So Seth Godin and I talk about this in this podcast all the time and in real yeah. life constantly argue about I, this. By the way, I've
1: been like... reading a lot of his stuff because, because of you, man, and it's... He's great. No, oh, he's just sure. great.
0: Yeah. Really a brilliant man. But here's the thing, like we're at one point where Seth and I see it differently kind of, um, is like the, what the effect of that kind of genius that Bo Burnham is has because he's a fully formed artist. At a very young age, he was a fully formed artist. It's like yeah. a, a miracle. It's a miraculous thing. What Bo's, you know, I'm I'm sure he told you, but I mean, way before he was famous, Levine and I met with him to see if he'd want to play the lead in something we were going to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And the movie didn't end up coming together, but like we, it's the same kind of thing where that movie fell apart. Yeah. But I, like my kids loved him really early. And so I locked in on him Yeah, and he's a genius. Yes. And so what is the effect, you know, whereas the rest of us, I mean, you're a brilliant person and no, you've no, made no, this but brilliant I, by work. By the way, but, by the way Bo, Bo is, is Bo's a, a once like, in a generation genius. He is. And, and what is it like? This is what I was going to ask you. That can be inspiring, but it can also be chilling because for mortals, it's like,
1: fuck, I, you know, that guy's a yeah. genius. Yeah. So what's yeah. that? What is well, here, that like? The thing that's so, and I, he's like my brother and I love him, yes. to pieces, but he is one of these people that, um, it's sort of like when you hear about Michael Jordan, how hard he works. I think that's awesome. the thing people don't realize like he doesn't, awesome. it's not like, like Bo is one of the hardest working people that I know. And that's the aspect of him that is contagious that you're like that is admirable. And that is like, and I think him and I really uh, truly our friendship like bonded because we have that, like, he is someone that's 15 minutes. Like he is on time. He is responsible. He is light. Also, he is more collaborative than I think people realize, which is, which is what I found in a lot of the more brilliant people that I've been lucky to be around. Like he is, but for me, you, there is that thing that you're like, motherfucker, you just went in your like, you know, like when he when first he first draft was, you're saying, yeah. No, like when he did inside, which he yes. did all himself. And, you know, like me and Josh senior, my partner were like his, like accountants, you know, like we helped him just like literally, cause there was so much, I think there was just so much stuff to be clear that we sort of were literally like his assistants at the end, after he finished it, when he showed it to us, because again, he's this, he will disappear right. and be working on something and he showed us that i was like you son of a bitch like i cannot fucking because by the way it was a course it was like "Eh, that's this thing i don't know what it is and you're like it is perhaps your masterwork i don't like it he's like what did you think and i'm like what did i fucking think like who am i to even dare to you know
0: well, yeah, right. No, it must be. But working on eighth, let's talk about eighth grade, for yeah, because yeah. that movie was so, I mean, I've told this story, but it is true that it was one of the greatest nights for us. My family, all so, we all yeah. went to see it together, the four of us. We came home, we sat on Sammy's bed. We're all grown, you know, everyone's kind of grown up at that point. Maybe Anna was just her last year of high school. So we just sat on Sam's bed, the four of us and talked all night long about the movie and about life. We talked like all night. It was a theater going experience
1: like that. That's so everything. It's everything. It's like when, you know, when you ask me, like, how do you feel after the, like, that's what's awesome, dude. When you just hear people that are like, fuck, we talked about, even if we didn't like it, we talked about it for like three hours and it's like, we loved
0: it. And and literally like all night long, it was so hard. I can't, you know, we just sat there and it brought us because so much reflected like Anna, Anna's childhood. And so, like but but all of us just re looking and this is the amazing thing about the work you've been a part of in the the bear especially where it becomes a prism through which we can look at our own lives and and that's the thing the best work does right um and uh, i'm sure you're hearing that from all over the place and from the chefs and yeah
1: it must be very rewarding and so i mean it it is it's totally rewarding but the thing that's like the and it, it it it's great, but the thing that's even better, I think, is eighth grade was obviously so important. I think to all of us that worked on it, be- just because it was really hard, but also, man, it was like the best time we've ever had doing. It. Yeah, you produced that movie. That was your movie with yeah, yeah, Beau, due to the two it, of yeah, you it was, baking it, was, it together. Really, yeah. 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 And it was and it was interesting because Bo had such a vision of how he wanted to do it, man. Like, I mean, like it, it's like it, that's when it's exciting to be a producer. And like, obviously Bo's like, you know, my, one of my best friends, but he's also like, as a filmmaker, he was like, it can't be famous kids. It can't be that like, he right. knew he had all the parameters and we were sort of like, you know, me, him and, and uh, our, our, one of our other best Eli Bush, we made it together. And we were sort of like, how do we force this giant <laughs> square <laughs> into this little circle, you know? And we just went in it, we went into the essentially Northern New York and Nyack and just figured out how to do it. But every step of the way, the process was just so informative to it. Like the way we made eighth grade really turned out to be the way we made the bear.
0: But I would think a challenge that makes sense, but I would think a challenge for you might be, even though you and Bo know your contributions as a producer and making this stuff, because he's a genius and is known as a genius in this yeah, yeah. work. How did you go about then going, well, I want to, fuck, I think I want to make stuff that's like from really inside me. How did you begin the process of not marketing yourself, but of like yeah, yeah. really reintroducing yourself to buyers, to Landgraf, yeah. to Nick Grad yeah. and say like, Hey, I'm a, i I'm a storyteller myself. How did yeah. that happen?
1: I think, I think the, I mean, it's funny because a lot of people have asked me like, why did you work on other people's stuff? Or I know that's not what you're asking, but I think that was the, what people have said and i i i look at it like dude i'm one of the luckiest people honestly brian in the world that four of my best friends happen to be i mean whether it's laureen rami gerard carmichael right. or Poe, i'm like holy fuck and then not to mention you know gillian is one of gillian is truly one of the, my my lovely lovely gillian is like one of the I think smartest human beings I've ever met to the point where I I don't understand some of the words that she uses. She
0: (laughs) is amazing. And honestly, like,
1: yeah. She's amazing. Like literally, you know, when you guys
0: were on your trip, we were texting and I, I told her to read a book and she fully read the book did exact, like fully just like, like, I was Ryan, like,
1: not only did she read the book, it was like, Oh, you read the book and retained every sentence in the book. And like, uh, yeah, I was like, I think so. Yes. Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, She's but, amazing. Uh, but, oh. but so but go ahead. But you were going to say, you, you have all these people no, in your but life
1: because like I'm around these smart people. It, I, it, I, it honestly really became less about me and like, dude i want to learn like for example draw i don't know if you know if you met Drawline, brian he's, but he
0: i don't know Draw, but i mean he's, he's another look all you guys are fucking young geniuses no, no, but Jira, right but it is true it's like from another yes.
1: planet where yes. he is um one of the most supernaturally gifted i think human beings that there is and but with that there's such a specific vision and like rami even on our other show rami he had like such a specific viewpoint of how he wanted to make it. And the thing that also happened on eighth grade that I think was really special that I think about a lot in terms of partnership and being responsible to people, letting you make things, which is by the way, which is really important to us, man. Like I always, I, we really pride ourselves on being good partners. Cause I think it breeds independence on both sides a little bit, you know, like, I think you'll trust us with this vision. If, you know, we're, if we're, if we paint, if we paint, if we play in your sandbox, politely and, and appropriately. And I think on eighth grade, it was this thing where like a 24 was just starting out and they were just the greatest partners and everyone was in it for the right reasons. so when I started wanting, I think we had some goodwill from eighth grade and from Gerard stuff and some of these specials and Rami, you know, I started talking about like, man, I've always wanted to do a restaurant show. Like I wrote it as a movie forever ago, but then realized like, it's, it's too hard to fit. And I don't want to, I don't, cause I don't necessarily buy into that argument that like, TV is the new move, like TV is its right. own thing that's really special. And um, I was like, man, we'd have more time. And as I started thinking about that, I we had sort of been talking about some specials with FX and some comedy stuff to do. The great Kate Lambert called me and we sort of like reverse engineer. She's like, well, what are you guys looking in the comedy space? And I was like, well, I've always, I've always wanted to do like a restaurant show. And I've, and she's like, yeah, why do those always suck? Right. And it was the smartest question. And I think that happened. And what I mean by that is like, as a group, they know the right questions to, yeah. to ask you. Cause they're not like, Oh, maybe it should be this. Maybe it should be this. It's like, well, why isn't it that? And it really speaks to the work. And I think like on a, on a personal level, you know, Eric Schreier who's what really took me under his wing and like really taught me how to deliver a television show. Like he, like him and Landgraf man, like what you hear about them, I really like John. I I know John and I think
0: he's amazing and There's I know Nick people. and John both but I know John, you know, I've spent time with him and talked to him about I think yeah. he's But you amazing. But I don't you know still, Kate really. I've met her once but I don't know her but obviously she's awesome and I got No, they're the best. But I mean like and Nick grads have made both. I honestly, they're great. They're terrific. And by the way, uh, I
1: don't uh, even say that as like, they creatively. made the sh- I, like truly like but, but So at- what
0: happened from there? So what happened? She's like, why does it suck? You thought about it. Did yeah, you then write the pilot? It. Did you write the first episode on spec or did you write it for them? Like they bought the idea.
1: I wrote it for them. I wrote it for, I had to think about that for a second. I wrote it for them. And the thing that we talk about is like, you know, obviously i have all these personal issues that i want to get into but also like you got to make a comedy and the thing that or a in these whatever comedy means in in 2022 and i think um you know the world was obviously changing so much and things were just getting you know i don't know about you man but i I, I, every day just feels so heavy and gnarly it's like i want to make something fun and i know we get into heavy shit in the show but it's still we really wanted it to feel alive and kind like even even though restaurants are toxic places and all this crazy shit happens like we really want to get we, we really want to do something that felt nice and as i was writing it as um as COVID took over i started zooming with a bunch of people just to meet like people i admire you know yeah and one of the one of the people that i had a great conversation with and i don't even think he remembers is the uh the amazing will judara man and he uh, will's the best holy fuck he Will definitely remember.
0: He will would definitely remember. I'll ask him, but Will Godara oh, definitely it like, remember. It like
1: yeah. cha- it's like one of those things that you're like, dude. We, we were talking for 45 minutes, and it like changed oh, the way I'll I. I'll reconnect
0: at- you to if you want.
1: Yeah. Holy shit, Brian! And I think for like people who don't know, well, how would you describe Will in like a sentence?
0: Well, Will is the, the best, simply the best front of house restaurant person probably since Danny Meyer. Um, yeah. And um, he's an amazing visionary about how restaurants work and yeah. about. Um, he kind of redefined service and yep. and what a restaurant should feel like. yeah, um he's uh, incredible. He and his his wife, Christina
1: Tosi are like an incredible power couple. like incredible. you they're like you guys. Um, just oh, we weren't even everywhere. talking about the bear, by the way, Brian. We were just talking about he was like, you know, he had this thing He said, what if you could make you know service industries more hospitable and it just it's like kindness. And I think that's sort of what you feel in the show and, it. and did you wait? So then you went off and wrote the pilot? Then I wrote off. Then I went off and wrote uh, the the first two episodes because I think what FX did that was honestly really smart. They're like, write two so we can just get an overview, you know. And at that time, I brought, um, I met Joanna Calo, who's the co-owner. Who's, she came, you know, she did BoJack, and she's like a genius. And she was, she was truly like, you know, she she's a, she's the director on the episodes, and yeah. she. Um, she really helped organize because there's a lot. I mean, dude, like there's all the stuff I'm telling you, I was like, here's everything I want to get. Did, in. did they green light it off the two episodes? They no. So they they after the two episodes, they let us make a pilot and then. I think after, it's, it's got to be a weird show to just watch one of. Because I think watching it yes. cold, I think they were like, this is fucking nuts. Like, this is annoying. But you
0: made the pilot, so you already knew the ending. You knew that I won't give it away for people, oh, but yeah, you knew, knew, the, well, the, ending, yeah, you knew the knew the, 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 very, the turn, you knew the turn yeah, we, at the end we knew, we knew from it the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. We knew it all. Yeah, that was the only thing you didn't respond to in our text when I was like, I can't wait to see what's in the envelope. You just didn't respond. Oh, Um, no, no, didn't
1: I? I think I did.
0: No, it was great. You totally left it. No, it was great. Oh, fuck, I'm sorry, You responded to other stuff, but no, no, it was perfect. I was like, oh, good, because then I got worried, well, if he doesn't reveal it, the show's going to suck. And then the most satisfying thing for me, but it was why your show's so great, is as the envelope was getting open, I told Amy what the A side of the envelope was going to say. I said it out loud at the same time. I knew which was very satisfying. But then I didn't know it was going to be on the back. And that was awesome. As a mammoth oh, person, uh, that was Chicago mammoth person.
1: That was yeah. fantastic. You got, you, you got, I, you, you're, you got that. Yeah, I know. And it, 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 that meant the world to me that I, I knew you would get it. Uh, but the thing that was great was, you know,
0: Oh, that I would get the a side. You knew that oh, I would know. Knew, the you A side? Knew.
1: Yeah. I'm like, fucking he's going to get this. He's going to dig this apart. Um, but the thing that was, was, was so cool was because, um, I think after the pilot, everyone sort of just knew what the thing was. And by the way, FX, they were like, this thing's rad. So when we're did they green light
0: it? So when did they green light it?
1: Like they watched the one episode they and then you the told them the end? Then they, test, they want, then they tested it, which I was like kind of scared. Testing is... Yeah, that's a horrible process. Yeah, It's scary, but it tested shockingly well. And also tested shockingly well with like, you know, like friends' grandmothers yeah. saw it and were well, that's why everybody like, that's- loves the show, man. You did no, no, But I was like, that was like really surprising. And I think even to them, and I think that the thing that, that John really smartly said was he was, he was like, there's something about a central location that really like means a lot to a viewer. And I was like, that really is a cool way to look at it. And I went back and started watching a bunch of, you know, Kate and Nick were like, you should look at taxi again. Cause they knew how much I loved Jim Brooks. Man, Taxi, have you watched Taxi recently? Like especially that first no, season? but I know it
0: well. Like a man holy like shit,
1: right? Around. It's like yeah. it's darker and stranger and more intense than you remember. And um also another show where it was six people in a room shouting. Were were you scared about how um
0: how uh unlikable Richie was? Oh uh,
1: uh yes, but not really because and actually not. I wasn't because I was like, this is real. I mean, this is like based, literally based word for word on a friend of mine and, you know, but I was also thinking like if he wasn't that way, you know, when I was, uh, I don't think I told you this, but there was a minute when I was working with Roy Choi and Daniel Patterson trying to make a documentary that n- n- ended up not happening, but they they became dear friends of mine. And we were with Renee Rosepi one, the, the great Renee Rosepi, And he always, he always had this thing. Oh, dude. I mean, yeah. and he had a like, thing. the the fucking coolest human being. And there's like a wizard. It just, you know, just says, I mean, he and Nadine are another
0: one of those couples where she's as magical as he is. It's incredible.
1: A hundred percent. But you know, of course. And I, I, I heard them often say this thing when they were working on dishes, that it's just like a stereo and you're turning, you're just turning all the dots, you know? And with Eben, we were like, you got to let this rip, dude, just go full volume because it's almost like the opposite it's almost like the opposite arc. We're going to start you at 100 and we're going to take you to one.
0: Well, and then to build to his phone, you know, building to that phone call, uh, the middle of the night phone call was just really beautiful and, uh, and great. And I mean, all these choices in terms of the action. I mean, well,
1: yeah, no, I was going to say that the, the one thing there's a lot of uh, a lot of our friends, a lot of our friends helped out with some voices in the show and only a couple of them, only a couple of them have, have seeped out. But Gillian is the voice on that call. I wondered where Gillian was in the show, and I wondered, I assume
0: second season, you'll find something great for her to do. But, Hopefully, um, we'll, see it, we'll see everybody again second season. I can't wait. Uh, Gillian's got to be in there. Levine was like, come on, Gillian will be in the second season in some way. I, Of course, you have to do it. Um, you'll, see, you'll see her, yeah. I, I, can't, I can't wait. So, all right, just to finish this up here, Please. I have so much more I want to ask you about, but we'll do it for the second season. Can't um, wait. When did you, re- it's just, this kind of doubles back to that earlier question, but slightly yeah. different, which is like, when did you actually realize that your life had changed? Because it has. And so when did you realize, oh, I'm really in a really different position?
1: And did watching Bo go through this help you? Go, watching Bo go through it 100% helped me. But there's two, there's really two sides of it. Like, and I mean, this like very genuinely. The first moment that I realized my life had changed obviously was really uh meeting and being with gillian because i feel like it helped i i, and I know that's a weird but it's true it's like it I helped like my education it. it helped my honesty it helped my everything and obviously i love her the most but in terms of like work i think the thing that really changed was 100 eighth grade and the the feeling of being yeah I gotta do this but then on the and then to go one step further i think on the bear it was like I think we created a good vibe. I think we had seven hours, we were seven to five every day. And I think we had a really good time. And that is what meant everything.
0: All right. That's a great answer, Chris. Or as you said, these days have been heavy, these years have been heavy. And when, and I, Amy and I have had a hard time locking into um, new things to watch, like, you know, it's, we've gone through our period of time. I we, I read this. Oh, there's an amazing book that you got to get that's coming out called Big Red by Jerome Charon, who's this incredible old writer, and it's right. all about Rita Hayworth and the. It's oh, just wow. incredible, and the studio cool. system back then. It's Very the dumb. most amazing book. So like we did this huge Rita Hayworth run and and Orson Welles run, but we really hadn't been able to find anything current that we just loved, freaked out over together. And, you know, like I say, Paolo's show, for me, I don't know if you've gotten to watch it yet. It's, New Pope I, and right. Pope. it's, it's next up. Dude, you're going to lose your mind. You haven't gotten to watch it yet? Dude, every, you're going to...
1: By the way, dude, I'm saving it so I can, like, phone off, computer off, because everyone told dude, me it's incredible. Dude, it's going to... You're not even going to... As a director... I mean,
0: you're not even going to understand what a g You won't understand it. I can't like, it's it. insane, and it's a litmus test, too. Like, if someone doesn't get that show... I got a hard time with it's like insane how great it is and it gets better and better yep it after the first step it gets better and better I I can't wait the second season's insane too but your show other than that your show man it is you achieved it like you did this thing that is so elevated and so human it's so primal and also so um Ethereally great and metaphorically great, and and um, you got it all the important stuff. And I'm so grateful that you dug this deep, because to me, like an artist will go that deep. It's why we do this, and it's like what I still care about so much as a as a fan. And it gets harder and harder to, you know, when you're younger, you can kind of you can let stuff slide as a viewer. But the older you, the older I get, the more I just need it to really deliver. Um, and like. The shit really fucking delivers. So congratulations and thank
1: you for that. Oh man, I, I can't tell you how much that means for me, Brian, truly. People find Chris, uh, he's
0: not on the, the social media so much. You can find him on, on Instagram. So find him there. You can find me wherever I am and uh, at Brian Koppelman. You can email me at the moment, bk at gmail.com. Watch The Bear if you haven't watched it yet. And um, we will see you next time. Thanks.